Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. My goal here is to find the exceptional people in their fields that are going above and beyond and doing interesting and innovative and new things. Uh, A lot of times these people are one in a thousand, but I want to find them and ask them good questions and have my listeners learn new things. So today I have Ryo Sugimura. He's a research fellow at Boston Children's Hospital. Uh, We're going to talk about um, producing lab-grown blood. So very interesting topic. Rio, thank you for coming. Thank you very much. I know that a lot of people will donate blood, and it's critical for uh, emergencies, but how can you uh, create blood from scratch? Is that what you're working on? Yes. So basically that idea is having patients on cells, like any random cells be programmed into IPS cells and convert this one into blood. So basically exponential and expandable source of patients on blood, autologous transplantation or transfusion of any of the blood products to him or herself. That was the idea. You need to produce red blood cells, but what about platelets and um, what about plasma? Like how many components of blood do you need to produce and can you? So basically... uh, Every type of blood cells, not only red blood cells, but also platelets, lymphocytes, neutrophils, all these can be produced in that method, essentially. What so you're using to induce into pluripotency? What, what cells do you start with? Basically, patients, skin cells. I had thought that um, uh, red blood cells, for instance, um, I don't know if they have no nucleus, but they're very different, or maybe no mitochondria. Um, is it easy or very difficult to induce a skin cell into all these different types of cells? What's the, the process? So the point of my method is to produce blood stem cells from skin cells. And these blood stem cells can generate all type of blood cells, including red blood cells. So that was a difference from like other approaches, other people's approach of trying to just directly inducing individual type of cells. Rather, what we did was inducing that uh, key component of cells in blood, namely blood stem cells, that you can generate any type of blood from this. In our bodies, um, blood is generated from blood stem cells that what come from bone marrow and a few other places? Like, how does it happen naturally inside of us? Yes, so basically you're right. So blood stem cells in bone marrow, and they generate all type of blood cells in our body. So the point of our project was to generate that blood stem cells from patient skin cells. Type of blood stem cell, or are there multiple types? Essentially, that's a one type of blood stem cells. So that type of blood stem cells can generate all type of blood cells. 
the blood stem cells are generated in the marrow. They're not generated in situ inside the blood itself. Yes. Inside the marrow, they migrate out through bone and then what through right. interstitial fluid? Like how do they how do they get to the bloodstream? Exactly. So it's basically uh blood stem cells in bone marrow. They divide, they differentiate and become into each type of blood cells, like red blood cells, platelets, B cells, like that. And these guys in bone marrow eventually find a way to get out from bone marrow through blood vessels. Blood stem cell know that it should become a red blood cell or a lymphocyte or something else. Like, how does the cell read the, the chemistry of the blood, the concentrations to know uh, what it should differentiate into. Essentially, you are correct. So these blood stem cells have certain molecular sensors, basically signals, chemicals from surrounding cells, and sense what kind of cells they have to generate more, or what kind of uh, like immune cells, like lymphocytes, they have to send out to thymus to generate more T cells. So depends on the situation, blood stem cells can produce what you need. So how fast after a stem cell enters into the blood does it differentiate? You know, how many times through the body does it take in order for it to get the signal to differentiate properly or does it happen right away? Depends on the type of blood cells. So let me say if you are generating neutrophil. That's basically two to four weeks reaction. If you generate T cells, you would need eight weeks in body to get maturate. A long time. So at, at any one time, how many stem cells are in the blood? Is it a lot or a little bit? Is the concentration kept at a certain level or does it go up when there's infection? So essentially that number of blood stem cells is very low. So uh, let me say in animal, what we are studying, like mouse, they contain like 1,000 cells, basically, in bone. And in human, maybe multiply like uh, 1,000 factors, so basically like a million or even less than that of blood stem cells. But what they can generate is an expandable source of progenitor cells. And these expandable progenitor cells are routinely generating our blood cells. Blood stem cells are sensing how much of blood progenitor cells they have to supply, essentially in some like uh, damage, like injury or maybe like a cancer or some of the severe stress, that blood stem cells receive some signal to generate extra source of blood progenitor cells. And these progenitor cells can generate large amount of blood. So basically people say stem cell population is a kind of reserve, which you usually don't touch, but you would use it if you definitely need more blood. So what does it look like at any one time? Is there also a large number of progenitor cells that are they're not stem cells, but they're not fully functioning blood cells? Or do progenitor cells only have a very short lifespan? 
So there are a bunch of type of blood progenitor cells. Some progenitor cells are just quickly gone, like I mean, quickly used to make specific type of cells, like red blood cells. But there are other type of progenitor cells. They are keep just dividing, dividing, and sending to their downstream short-lived progenitor cells can just switch on to fat into red blood cells, neutral fields, platelet each other. So this is how usually our body generates blood cells. And why we need stem cells, like that's a point of my research, is stem cell is our only source of all type of blood cells through these progenitor cells. Um, especially if you do blood transplantation, for patients, like under leukemic condition or a severe autoimmune disease, in this situation, you have to replace or you have to recover or reset entire blood system. In that case, a stem cell can be put into patient's body and they replenish entire flora of the blood as they generate downstream progenitor cells, these progenitor cells eventually take part in generating other mature blood cells, uh, having the stem cells still as a reserve population, so as our normal body is operating. How do, uh, what, what are sources of stem cells for people right now? Can they, you know, as their uh, bone marrow produces them, can they be kept aside and somehow cultured? Or, you know, how do you get a reserve of stem cells? more than you need. So many people try to do uh, this work, I mean, like what you said, expanding, expanding existing stem cells, like from cold blood or bone marrow. And some teams are having certain amount of success in expanding human stem cells. But still, that is a bit limited. I would say they are facing some technical challenge. Because what we don't understand is how these blood stem cells in bone marrow are maintained, how they are regulated. We know they sense certain chemicals, they sense certain signals, and they behave what they have to do. But what we don't understand is how they are maintained as stem cells. So that's a situation if we want to do that in in vitro, you have to mimic what is going on in bone marrow. And we are lacking that knowledge yet. So it's still a bit challenging to maintain stem cells in vitro. When you induce a skin cell to pluripotency, Mm -hmm. how does that compare to a stem cell produced in the body naturally? Is it just as good, or is it more like a progenitor cell? Like what, you know, how do you compare them? Yeah, I would say it's more like the progenitor cells. So even our research said, like, we are very much close to stem cells. But if we compare the data of mice getting real stem cells, we still far beyond, I mean, far away from the level of normal and real stem cells can do. So there is uh, still some need of effort 
to pushing these skin cell-derived blood stem cells into much closer to real blood stem cells. What's missing when you induce them to pluripotency? What, what can stem cells do uh, that these iPS cells can't? Probably two things. One is very important genetic regulators. Like we induced seven factors, like seven proteins. These are essential components to initiate stem cell program in the cells so that skin cells or pluripotent stem cells knows how to be how to behave like stem cells, blood stem cells. But we will be still missing some crucial components which we are trying to understand what it would be. This is one. And two, as mentioned in before expanding stem cell work, we depend on environment. I mean, we depend on bone marrow environment. And we will be missing some factors there because what we are following is more like before bone marrow, we are following how blood stem cells are developing in our body. Even before we are born, these stem cells are generated into a certain tissue in our embryo, namely sound like a blood vessel. Um, we are very much close to this phase. This is what we initially did from iPS cells, mimicking how we develop that blood cells in embryo. We input certain factors like cytokines and morphogens are getting into the stage. And we input these seven factors, genetic factors, in protein form. And we believe this is close to what is going on in a very immature stage of blood development, but which is uh, two steps away from bone marrow. Generally, like, because initially, okay. like, those, okay, yeah, maybe we could just go ahead. So when you, um, right now, are you able to create components of blood? Like, are you inducing pluripotency, and then are you creating like plasma, and then maybe you're creating mm -hmm. a bunch of red blood cells, and you know, can you at least create the components, and or are you able to create all of blood, just, you know, creating all the components and then adding them together, like, you know, how, how close are you right now to being able to generate at least parts of blood to help people that need? So that's still, uh, our research has been done in mouse model. We need certain, like, crew how this works in human. If we totally want to apply to human patients, we have to test, example, how many of blood stem cells we can generate. Like, number of stem cells we can generate in our system is still limiting. For patients' rights, we have to expand to, let's say, thousands fold. That is one challenge we are now trying to. And second, we have to know whether this works in not only mouse, but also human. And probably before going into human, we have to demonstrate that in non-human primate, like monkeys. What's the goal in mice? What are you trying to do exactly? Are you trying to create a component of blood and then inject it into the mouse and the mouse's blood doesn't clot and it seems to be fine? Or like, what's the experiment look like? How will you know when it works? Mm -hmm. So probably uh, in mice, 
the keystone which we are going to which we are going to aim is let's say like the mouse have some genetic disease, some genetic blood disease or leukemia, and we have this mouse or uh, I mean human IBSs from skin. Um, replenish this diseased mouse blood cells from our cell products and see if mice can be healthier. Maybe this is one of our crucial experiments have to be finished in mouse model. Which, um, which component of the blood do you think, or have you tried, will be easiest to replicate? The platelets, the lymphocytes, the red blood cells? You know, are you going for one first or are you trying to do all of them? Probably red blood cells. That would be easiest, um, maybe because we have uh, we know lots of congenic anemia which defects red blood cells in mice. So that idea is we have our blood stem cells from IPS cells and generate mature red blood cells, and let's put these cells into mice and if see we can improve that status of that mice. And maybe that's one of the demonstration of our cell products works. How, how do you even do that? Um, you know, you create the progenitor cells. How do you signal them to differentiate into the right thing? Do you have to put them with, you know, existing mouse blood? And just because they're in a low concentration, that mm-hmm. will, you know, uh, make them turn into that kind of cell? How do you, how do you instruct them? Ultimately, what we need is in vitro induction system. Like, say, we have blood stem cells in vitro culture. Um, we instruct them into mature cell types there. And having enough, I mean, large number of cell products, like a lot of red blood cells, we can transfuse into the mice. And maybe if we do that human beings in the end, we would need the same thing because essentially what we need is to ensure safety of the cells we are going to use in patients. So things has to be done in vitro. Which uh, cell is responsible for your blood type? Is it the red blood cell or other types? I mean, are platelets uh, more universal? It seems like it, right? Like, Which cell is the carrier blood type? So I say more universal, since our study can generate blood stem cells. And from these blood stem cells, you can generate any desired type of blood cells. So not only red blood cells, not only platelets. We could be able to generate what patients need. And ultimately, what we could offer is have, say, um, patients derived skin. IBS then into blood stem cells. And if this blood stem cells is close to very much real stem cells, that final goal is to transplant these blood stem cells to patients as if like people usually do for bone marrow transplantation. Then you can generate any type of cells in the patient's body. I got you. Okay. So what are the steps now? The step is first you're working with mice and mm-hmm. your goal is what right now? You're you're trying to induce more of a pluripotency. You're trying to get closer to an actual blood stem cell. That's is that your first step here? Right. So I would say most important step is getting our blood stem cells 
to much closer to the real blood stem cells. So basically feeding the gap between that our cells with the real stem cells. So that's number one thing. In blood, is there just, um, I mean, there's these cell types, but what else is in blood that is important? Like, does blood have its own microbiome? You know, are there other uh, components in blood that are critical that are not just cells? Other additions? Yeah, so in plasma, there are lots of metabolome, I mean, like a metabolites. And essentially, those are attributed to liver, hepatocytes. So, blood per se is function, like immune thing, or sustain our life. Our blood cells are basically enough to do their job. But if, let's say, like an uh, entire blood with plasma, with a bunch of metabolites, we have to coordinate with liver, especially hepatocytes. And that's another focus of people studying like this area. But we are more on the blood. Also, too, if you're going to give someone a transfusion, you know, or a mouse, aren't you introducing a big slug of, you know, blood that's different from their own? I mean, wouldn't you somehow trickle it in so it mixes with the existing blood slowly? Or do you just inject it and it's okay if a, a big slug of blood is a transfused slug that goes throughout the body, you know, it would have different metabolites in it or it may have no metabolites, mm-hmm. very different from the existing blood. I know it would diffuse throughout the regular blood, but might that create a problem if uh, you do that? Mm-hmm. So what we are using in mice is we have, let's say, a very close to human patient situation of bone marrow transplantation. So we irradiate mice, like same as patients got lots of chemical and radiation to clean up their bone marrow. And we input our cells to their empty bone marrow, because this is a test, to see if our blood stem cells works as like uh, blood producers. If they, then in, if they enter into empty bone marrow, they sense the chemicals in bone marrow and they generate rats of progenital cells and each type of mature cells. That's what we have done. That worked or what happens when you put them into the bone marrow? Are they being rejected or are they just not differentiating properly? What happens right now? We use immunodeficient mice so that we set up the way mice immune system cannot attack our cells. All right, well, they can't be attacked, but again, once they're into the bone marrow that has been irradiated, do they mm-hmm. take up residence? Do they differentiate from there? Um, you know, does the bone marrow still work to, right. uh, you know, to make them function, or are they not working? Yes, they they work. So like this immunodeficient bone marrow, and we irradiate, basically empty up mouse bone marrow, and we replace by human blood stem cells. Um, we can see generation of rats of human immunocells, neutrophils, red blood cells, and platelets. And some mice, like mouse's red blood cells, mouse's like neutrophils, macrophages are still existing. But since we are, the mice are lacking crucial barrier, like LK cells, B cells, T cells, they genetically defect. 
So essentially, they don't attack each other. Do you know if anyone is creating bone or bone marrow organoids that you could use to test this? Or is that further a step back? Is it better to just test this in mice and go from there? Yeah, definitely. Organ chip is one of the big steps we are taking. Oh, so are you trying to make bone marrow uh, organoids or, or you know, well, organ, organ chips, chip. I think? Yeah, we are doing organ or chip work, undergoing. Okay, okay. What, what appears to be the mechanism by which bone marrow creates um, stem cells? I know it's a big mystery, but do you understand anything about how it's done? So uh, your question is how to make bone marrow, uh, could you repeat that? How, how does how do um, stem cells arise in bone marrow? Do we have any understanding on how you know they are created in the bone marrow? Are there special oh, I structure, structures that create them? Like how do they start? Mm-hmm. So these stem cells came from liver. Before we are born, these blood stem cells were generated in other parts of the body. And through fetal liver, they amplified and they loads into bone marrow. At the time, bone marrow is basically empty space. Um, like when we are born, I mean, like, you know, giving birth, our marrow eventually populated by tiny number of blood stem cells, and they generate progenitors and lots of mature cells. Um, there are a bunch of some stroma cells, Lots of type of stroma cells, they're already there. And they somehow recruit and organize, like where these bunch of red blood cells are here, progenitors are here, B cell progenitors are here, they somehow organize. But we, are still don't, we still don't understand what and how they orchestrate this composition of bone marrow. In a bunch of chemical signals, we know, but we still don't know how they work. How does bone marrow turn over? You know, how is new bone marrow created? And, you know, you said that bone marrow, I guess, slowly will leave the marrow through the blood vessels into the bloodstream, right? Mm-hmm. But how is new How is new marrow created? So new marrows were created by progenitor cells, bunch of progenitor cells. So here is uh, another study by other group using mouse model, they count how many times stem cells divide, basically four times per lifespan of the mouse. Besides, progenitor cells keep dividing and replenishing that marrow. Okay. It's a very complicated process with a lot of mystery. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Rio, what do you think is going to be possible? You know, how long until... Do you think you're able to um, make this work in mice? You know, what's your projection? So I would say people, we need five years of thing to make sure the type of cells we are generating are much closer to real stem cells. That's one. And maybe simultaneously or more extension of couple of years to do a large production of this type of blood cells because large production is necessarily in essentially going into patients 
so this is more like manufacturing thing and also safety thing. So maybe five years of something, I'm not being like, you know, say like, okay, tomorrow or the day after tomorrow thing, maybe at least right, five right, years right. Yeah, of some like uh, more basic and fundamental work. We essentially have to understand how that grows out real stem cells and then how to expand, how to make more of them. That's another step. Um, as also you mentioned, bone marrow is a very complex tissue. So we still have to monitor how these stem cells behave in the body. Maybe using mice, we have to keep track how they behave depends on the chemicals or signal surrounding. This is maybe like uh, lots of people are doing that. Decades ago long, but we are still on the way of doing this. And this kind of fundamental science is essential for the progress of this field. What, so yeah, yeah the, I uh, said years. Hmm. Okay, yeah, it'll take a while. What? Um, how much of a demand is there for blood? Is there a huge demand, or is it not too much? The demands of blood, yeah, it's a lot. Because okay. like for blood transfusion, we are always lacking donor cells. We cannot expand blood cells in vitro much. And if you don't, if you got donated blood cells, you cannot store that for long. So we always need fresh source of blood. Well, very good. Rio, what is the best way for people to learn more about your work? Where can they find you? Yeah, so um, I would say so. the best way to keep track of our work is, yeah, let me say that. Yeah, I guess they I could said, always yeah. always uh, Google your name and find yeah, yeah. any papers you're putting out. Right. You know, Rio Sigura. Right. Right. Exactly, yeah, that's well. And you can maybe find my, yeah. So, yeah, I have to set up my own page, maybe like my own research page, something like that. That's, I think, very important. Okay. Yeah, people can look up Rio Sugimura, mm-hmm. Boston Children's Hospital. That's probably the mm-hmm. best way it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, very good. Rio, thank yeah, you thank for you. your work and thank you for yeah. coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.